book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, and may that be the desire of all of us to uh, be a blessing to somebody else. And aren't you thankful that God sends people uh, our way exactly when we need them to be a blessing to us? And uh, we want to be the same to others. I'm beginning a series this morning on Sunday morning. I think it'll take uh, four to six weeks, uh, but that is very well to turn into four to six months or years. And so uh, we'll see. I, I, I don't think it'll be that long, but uh, plenty about four to six weeks or so. And we'll lay an introductory message this morning. And so I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm going to read one verse of scripture for our text out of 1 Corinthians 12. Keep your Bibles open there. We'll look at a couple of verses uh, later in the, in, in the service. Uh, but uh, this morning, I'm, I'm going to lay a foundation. And so you're going to have to stay with me on purpose. And I'll, I'll lay a good foundation. And no matter how long it takes me to uh, lay that foundation, I will let us out uh, within the same vicinity that we always get out, you know, sometime between 12 and 1. Uh, but uh, no, we'll get out on time. Uh, so if it comes down to it, I'll just give the main points at the end uh, for us to uh, focus on. Uh, but I want to lay the foundation uh, for not just the message this morning, but for the entire series. So 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, and we'll read verse 31 for our text verse. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. In verse 31, but covet earnestly the best gifts. This chapter, chapter 12, deals with spiritual gifts in the church. I'm planning on talking a little bit about that in the service tonight. But then let's continue reading. And yet show I unto you a more excellent way. There's spiritual gifts. There's responsibilities in the church. There's opportunities in the church. <clears throat> and with all that brings opinions into the church. But Paul writes, but covet earnestly the best gifts. <clears throat> There's nothing wrong with wanting gifts that you can use for God. You ought to want gifts. You ought to want to develop the gifts that God has given you. But he also says, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. There is a great key to you and I serving God. There's a great key in a church fulfilling God's purpose for the church. There's a great key to the Christian fulfilling God's will for his life. Not everybody does it. The church here in Corinthians needed it. And Paul writes that he wants to show them a more excellent way. Now, what he's saying to them is you can do it the way you're doing it, but there's a better way. There's a more excellent way. The Word of God will not return void. That's the power of the Word of God. The, the testimony that you show and the position that you have, and Paul writes, with all of that, I want to show you a more excellent way. That's the title of the message this morning, a more excellent way. Father, help us today as we uh, look into this passage of Scripture, this book of the Bible. I pray that our attention and our focus, our hearts would be on what you have for us this morning. May this foundational message uh, really speak to us, though, in getting our minds and our hearts thinking about uh, the life of a Christian, uh, this trait that we need to have, 
And Father, I pray that uh, you'd be glorified because of it. Uh, others would be affected by it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have here uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. We call this the book of 1 Corinthians. We might need to be reminded it is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the early church, to the Christians. Paul expressing, certainly under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, some thoughts, some direction, some things we take for granted because we've had the Bible. We've seen the pattern. But they were getting it for the first time. He, he, these former, he writes this letter to the Corinthian church, and these former pagan Gentiles had trusted Christ as their Savior and had been born again. For, for the sake of context this morning and get our mind where I'd like for it to be, uh, how, how many of you who are an adult now, you, you grew, you would, we could say you grew up in church, whether it was this one or another church, you grew up in church. Can I see your hand? That's a, that's a good majority of people in here. 100% of this crowd was saved out of a pagan world. 100% of this crowd had to take their idols out of their homes. I and those who raised their hand, we grew up in Christianity. These are former pagan Gentiles who had trusted Christ as their Savior and had been born again. You think you and I are a minority as Bible believers in a Christian nation? Think about being a minority in the city of Corinth, in a pagan society, in a pagan culture. Often we're hard, I have been, and I'm just going to lump all this together, where we read some of the letter to this church and we're hard on the church. They're just trying to figure it out. We've had this pattern. We've had the instruction. We've had churches since this first century to look back on. They're trying to figure it out. Thus the letter from Paul to the church. He had the, given them instruction at, the hand, at his hand, the hand of the apostle, the hand of those who he had instructed. What a treasure it was to receive that letter. I have something in my hand today. I have the letter from Paul to the church at Corinth. It's not the original. I mentioned, I've always encouraged you, told you something I do when I'm wanting to get context and flow of a passage of Scripture. I'll read the entire book in one setting. I made in passing uh, some time back that I enjoy Paul's epistles and a, a church member took the epistles and put them as a, in a letter form and put them on parchment for me. And so I have the letter in my hand. Now, don't come to me after church. You know that it was on animal skin and it was this. And it's in English. I know. I know. But I, want, I do this because I want us, for us to understand the proper emphasis that we're going to place this morning. We need to look at this instruction as a letter of instruction from the Apostle Paul 
to the early church who was saved out of a pagan culture who's trying to figure out they didn't have what we have. We have the book of 1 Corinthians. We have the book of Acts. They were waiting on correspondence from the Apostle Paul. Yes, they had the Spirit of God in them, and yes, they had other teachers, but as this came to them, I want to remind you, as we get to verse number 31, I show unto you a more excellent way. We must consider everything that Paul has been addressing in this letter. He reminds them of their sanctification. He reminds them of the faithfulness of God. He addresses very early on in the first chapter the preaching of the cross as foolishness and how, how the, the intellect of man is, is not the answer because it's always been man's tendency to go towards the intellect and I, I have to know more and I have to, have to present myself in that way. And he, he, he references the, the Jews and the, and, and, the, and the Gentiles and the Greeks and the difference and how we just preach Christ crucified. It's a good reminder. He goes on in his letter, reminds them that the world's wisdom is not the wisdom we must pursue. Here's where it gets interesting as well. Well-known passage of Scripture. Can you imagine as this letter is being read? There's division in the church. And he points out the reason there's division is because you're not spiritual, you're carnal. They hadn't grown to a part, a point to be spiritual. And he points out is that the personality issue, Apollos and Paul and I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, and, and he points out that, that none of us are Christ and that we should be following Christ. He addresses that. He addresses faithfulness and he address, addresses the false doctrine that has crept in and he even addresses the fact that there must have been some suing each other in the church and making a spectacle of that and he addresses how to handle that and he addresses holiness and those things. And boy, is that you read the letter, there's, there's a lot to be considered. And as we consider the book of the Bible and the letter, he, he, read, he, he writes them. And what he, 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 he writes in chapter number eight, now is touching things offered under idols. We know that we have all knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up. Well, you know, we shouldn't do this when it comes to uh, this. He says, knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Well, he, some thought we should eat this meat and some shouldn't eat this one. And he points those things out and he continues to write of different idolaters and things of that nature and addresses these things and he writes in chapter, uh, chapter number 10, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Can you imagine as they've, they've all gotten saved? They're, they're trying to find their way. And should we do this? And should we do that? He points out that the, 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 the division and the personality, it's, it's carnal, but let's also give them some credit that they're for the most part, trying to figure out 
Should I do this and should I do that? But the danger there is their pride. They're getting puffed up. Well, I don't do this and I don't do this and I don't do this. He addresses that. And he says, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Well, would we get some spiritual maturity on that? And Well, I'm within the bounds of Scripture, but you may still be a stumbling block. We have to consider that. He writes, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. He, the question comes up is, the length of hair on men and should a woman's head be covered in the church and different things that, teachings that have come out of that and he addresses these things. And he gets to chapter number 12. And he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. He's going to address spiritual gifts. I plan on preaching out of that tonight and the gifts that we have and the responsibilities we have in the church and how it comes from the Spirit of God. Now, if the church has already had problems with pride, misunderstandings, and divisions, as we know the letter addresses. Are you with me this morning? When Paul is certainly aware then that when it comes to spiritual gifts and the discussion of such gifts, there's the potential to cause division in the church. He gives the truth concerning spiritual gifts and what they are. And in telling them what they are, he's also telling them what they are not. He comes to verse 31 and he says, But I covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Now think with me. He's addressing from the very beginning some problems that were in the church. The personality issue, the the knowledge issue, and certainly those that are saved out of this pagan lifestyle, some were more knowledgeable than others, and some had education others did not have. And so he's addressing all of those things that even though they're saved, they were having problems with. And by the way, God would preserve this for us because we'd have the tendency to have the same problems. And as he addresses the spiritual gifts in the church, he reminds them that Just as a summation, God puts everything inside that church for the sake of the church, the benefit of the church, so that we can serve one another and serve others and and reach into our world and our community. He goes through all of those gifts that oftentimes we focus on. I have the gift of this. They don't have the gift that I have. Or why, don't I, why didn't God give me the gift that somebody else had? Or if I can't serve in this capacity, I don't want to serve. Or I know, I know there's the pastor, but I'm of this one. And, and, and my loyalty is here. And whatever that is, Paul is just saying... I'm not, I'm not Christ. Apollos isn't Christ. It is Him who it's all about. 
And as he addresses the spiritual gifts of the church, knowing, already addressing them because they're carnal. Now, there's two ways of looking at their carnality, and they're probably both accurate depending on who you're talking about inside that congregation. There were probably some that were carnal because they had not been saved long and they had not grown spiritually like they would grow spiritually. Then there's probably those inside the church who had been saved a little bit longer and did not grow and were just carnal. But regardless, there was carnality. And can I say, the church today still has a carnal problem. It's not always wickedness that is the carnality. Oftentimes, it is the very things that Paul addresses. And he comes to the last verse of chapter 31. He says, yet show I unto you a more excellent way. A more excellent way than using our spiritual gift for God. A more excellent way than being in unity. A more excellent way than preaching the cross. A more excellent way than the knowledge that we have. I believe he's specifically talking about spiritual gifts, but I believe you can apply it all across the letter. What is that more excellent way? Look with me at chapter number 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, he addresses the, the gifts of, of, of wisdom and knowledge and, and, and prophecy and, and, and discernment. And, and we'll talk about all of those things specifically. But now we come to verse 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and I have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass of a tinkling or a tinkling cymbal. Verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Paul says, let me show you a more excellent way. You can have your knowledge, but if you don't have charity, you're nothing. You can have your discernment, but if you don't have charity, it's nothing. You can give everything you have to everybody around you, but if you don't have charity, it is nothing. It is not enough to be able to say, well... I'm keeping my loyalty, I'm, keeping my, I'm following this individual, I am of this person, and because I'm of this person, I'm not of that person. Paul says a better way is have some charity. You have a spiritual gift that God has given you. It matters not if you use it without charity. And I think oftentimes, we as God's people get focused on the what... The when, the how, I'm not saying that's not important. We don't redefine what God has established. But Paul's saying a more excellent way is to have some charity with that spiritual gift. To have some charity with your loyalty. To have some charity with your stand. To have some charity as you preach Christ crucified. To have some charity when it comes to making those decisions. The law says all things are expedient for me. But 
it may not be prudent for me because it may set a weaker Christian, a bad example for a weaker Christian. That's where charity comes in. I don't normally do this, but I want to do it this morning. I have the definition of charity that I want them to put up on the, uh, on the, on the monitors for me so that you can see it. Because I'm going to give you the definition of charity and just leave that up for the remainder of the message this morning. Charity, in a general sense, is love, benevolence, goodwill, that disposition of heart which inclines men to think favorably of their fellow men and to do them good. In a theological sense, it includes supreme love to God and universal goodwill to men. So Paul is saying, yes, it's important. You're saved. Get rid of your idols. Stop arguing over personalities. He, he, now... Then he also says, so, so don't come at me with, well, that's right, why we don't, we, we, we don't follow men. Well, he also says, follow me as I follow Christ. That's right. That's right. God does give us examples, and I'm thankful for those examples I've had in my life. Yes. Yes. Right. He, we, we, but we don't make the personality the issue. There's divisions there. It says we should not have those divisions. Even when it comes to spiritual gifts, if you look at verse 25, there, there should be no schism in the body. But the members should have the same care one for another. God did not give you, God did not give me a spiritual gift in the church to puff us up. God did not give us knowledge to puff us up. And he says, let me show you a more excellent way. Love your fellow man. Have a disposition of a heart. Are you ready for this? Which inclines you to think favorably upon your fellow man. And to do them good. I would dare say there's a whole lot of Christians not living with charity. Even Christians that I'm going to do the right thing. Paul says, let me show you a better way to do that. Have some charity. Now, you can't, I'm not making the argument Paul was a compromiser. We know he wasn't. Well, I, I'm sticking with, with what I... Well, where's your, where, your disposition of heart which inclines you to think favorably of, of fellow men, supreme love to God, and universal goodwill to men. Very quickly, Paul is warning these Christians that gifts without charity are useless. Work without charity is unprofitable. Position without charity is prideful. Logic without charity is not useful. Let me give you four quick things this morning based on that definition of charity. And that's why I want to leave it up there, so I want you to see it. As we look at all of these right things Paul addresses, can we agree that if it's in the Bible, it's the right thing to do? 
Can we agree there should be no division in the church? Should we also agree that all of us are capable with knowledge and things we learn of getting puffed up? And Paul says, yes, in a sense, I'm glad you're having these discussions. Now, let me set you straight on a few of them. And the reason why you're lining up there is because you're carnal. You're thinking of it from a fleshly standpoint, not a spiritual standpoint. That's why he has to remind them in chapter number 12. It's, it's, it's centered around the Spirit. We make our decisions based on the Spirit. Because if we take the Spirit out, it's all carnality. It's all flesh. He addresses all these things and he comes down to charity. He says, it is a more excellent way. Now, for several weeks, we're going to get into exactly what is said here about charity. But I want us to see that definition and I want to challenge us to determine to do things a more excellent way. To have the right stand, but do it in a more excellent way. To stand for truth, but to do it in a more excellent way. My prayer is your pastors for every one of you, the gifts that God has given you, the opportunities to serve Him that He's given you, to do it with your whole heart, but to do it in the more excellent way with charity. Because without it, Paul also writes that it's nothing. It's a work. Let me give us the four things for us to think about this morning. Number one, if we're going to do it a more excellent way, we must focus on our heart. Notice that definition again. In a general sense, love, benevolence, goodwill, that disposition of heart which inclines men to think favorably of their fellow men and do them good. Now, I did not say the definition of charity is not focus on others' heart. Focus on my heart. Because if I live with charity... If I have charity, I have that disposition, meaning the first reaction of my heart is to think favorably of those that I come in contact with. Charity goes against our natural reaction, doesn't it? Well, I was born with charity. No, you weren't. Well, I live with charity all the time. No, you don't. Because our heart is not always what it should be. So if you want to do it a more excellent way, focus on your heart. We have a tendency when we think about our, our, other, our fellow man, we don't always think of them favorably. I know what they meant by that. That's not charity. Why, why, I, I, I know the motive behind that. That's not charity. You may be right in your assumption, but if that's your first inclination, we must look at our heart and see if I'm really serving with charity. We say, how do I focus on my heart? Are you ready for this? This is going to help you if you'll let it deal with your issues. Let's just be honest this morning. We're in church. Is it okay to be honest? 
Everybody in here has issues. If you don't believe that, you ought to see things how I'm looking at them this morning. Everybody has issues. What do you mean, Pastor? Wounds. We've been wounded. We have a tendency to judge people by it through our wound. And to assume that that's the same thing that's going to happen again. We will deal with others and we'll look at them based on our unforgiveness. It's hard to have charity in your heart towards your fellow man if you've got unforgiveness in your heart towards that fellow man. The bitterness we have in our heart. How can we show charity when our heart is full of bitterness? This is why we just assume the worst about somebody. Well, if you knew people like I know people, I know people pretty well. And I know what people are capable of doing. But I know what Paul is addressing and saying, there's a better way to interact in the church. And that's with charity. And that's it. My heart's belief, intention is to believe and be disposed towards my fellow man to do them good. Well, it's hard to act with charity to think favorably of our fellow man when there's jealousy. There's jealousy, envy. Well, you study envy in the Bible. Kingdoms have been destroyed because of envy. Murders have taken place because of envy. I've mentioned unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy. Those are three things that will destroy a person. Three things that should never be in the heart of a Christian. But three things every person in this room has had to deal with and has to deal with. Friend, that's why it's important for you to deal with your issues. If somebody has wronged you, forgive them. Well, Pastor, you haven't been wrong like I've been wronged. Well, we can compare stories later, but that's none of us have been wrong like Jesus was wronged. And he certainly showed charity to his fellow man. If we're going to have charity, then we must focus on our heart. We must deal with our issues. This morning, if you want to live a life of charity, and we're going to get into this series on charity and what charity is and what charity is not, and how we can do for others because of charity, we must deal with our own issues. And by the way, let me just say, if you've got these issues, you're not the only one in here that's got these issues. I've already said it, and it's good for me to say it again. Everybody in here has had to deal with this is dealing with it, and is going to have to deal with it again. That's why Paul is saying, I understand why some of you, you with Apollos are offended by those that were Paul, and you were Paul are offended by those with Apollos, but, but you got to get that unforgiveness out of your heart. you got to get that, that suspicion out of your heart. you got to get that envy out of there because of your spiritual gift. And there's a better way to do it with charity. Focus on your issues and, and deal with them so that you can look at your fellow man 
with that benevolence. Number two, if we're going to do things in a more excellent way, we must focus on our mind. Notice the definition again. You see it up there? To think favorably of their fellow men. Focus on your mind. Focus on your thinking. How do you think about your, your, your uh, fellow man? We base our thinking on our issues, on our previous experience, and let's just come down to it on our pride. We are skewed in how we think about other people, other situations. I've used this illustration before, and I'll, I'll be very, I'll limit how I use it. There's a Cracker Barrel in South Georgia <laughs> that I got food poisoned from. But I didn't boycott Cracker Barrel as a whole. And there's a lot of Christians who rob themselves of what it means to have a church family, to have a pastor, to have brothers and sisters in Christ, to fellowship with, to help one another, because they're not thinking with charity. Our focus on our mind, our pride, why, why you aren't satisfied with your role in the church or why you believe someone else is worthy to serve in the capacity. May we examine ourselves instead of others. Would that be a good thing for Christians to do? And the Bible reminds us there are certain things we should think on and certain things we should not think on. We must be careful how we think. And am I thinking with charity? I don't want to go ahead and preach it this morning, but Charity talks about there's, there's a certain way it doesn't think. Charity's not suspicious. Charity doesn't make the, the, the worst assumptions. So if we're going to do it a more excellent way, we must focus on our mind. Number three, if we're going to do it a more excellent way, we must focus on our love for God. The first part of that definition is very practical. Generally, charity is love. Generally, it's benevolence. Generally, it's goodwill. It's how our heart leans and inclines to think favorably of our fellow man. And then to do them good. Can you help me? We have charity in our heart. We're inclined to help. But the second part of that definition, in a theological sense, it includes supreme love to God. So if we're going to do it in a more excellent way, we must focus on our love for God. That supreme love to God. Above all others. Including myself. There's too many Christians that are too in love with themselves. Too in love with their own opinions and too in love with their conclusion, Paul writes a whole letter to those kind of people. It's because your thinking's not right, because you have a supreme love 
That's not for God. If we supremely love Him, then I can work through those issues in my heart. I can, I can get my mind right. I can, I, can, I can put Him above everyone. Well, I don't want to love them, but God tells me I have to love them. And because I love Him, I'm going to love them. Notice that definition. You still see it up there? It includes supreme love, does it say, to God or for God? This is to God. Your love is reflected in your actions to God. There's a lot of people who claim to have charity, but they don't have Bible charity. They claim to have a supreme love to God, but there's no actions in that love to God. Paul tells the church to get along. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not preaching this because we're not getting along. We get along great. But as a point, they're not, he's telling them they're not getting along. And, and by the way, I want to preach things like this so we continue to get along. If I love God, then it doesn't matter if you're of Apollos or you're of Paul. If, if I love him and the work of his church, it doesn't matter if my gift is this and your gift is that, your role is this, my role is, is, is that, it doesn't matter. Instead of focusing on others, why don't we focus on our love for God? That is what brings charity into our life. That is a more excellent way. You and I, let's be very clear in this, can go through the spiritual motions. But a better way is to have a heart of charity, which includes our supreme love for God. So why is that important? Because it brings me to number four, focus on others. And universal goodwill to men. We say this today, the church isn't as effective as it used to be. In a general sense, that's true. But if we do what the Bible says, it's, it's just as effective. People use that argument to say the Bible doesn't apply anymore. Or they say the church as a Bible, a New Testament church, has is, is got it wrong. No, I would say that the good is not done to the fellow man because there's not a supreme love for God. If we focus on God, our actions toward others will take care of themselves. If I have a problem with Brother Collingsworth, or should I say, my problems with Brother Collingsworth, <laughs> I don't like his personality. It aggravates me. I don't like his tie. It's orange. Hey, I just, I just, I just, I just there, there's, there's, it's none of your business, but I got some issues with him. Now, I can do one or two things. I can approach it with charity, or I can approach it carnally. He knows I don't like orange ties. And he's up here on the platform wearing an orange tie.
But I could have some charity and say, well, his wife probably dressed him. <laughs> Which makes sense. Just for illustration's sake, there could be something that he did to offend me, something he could have done to wrong me, something that just rubs me the wrong way. But if I love God like I should love God, then nobody has to tell me not to have unforgiveness in my heart. I need to let him know. In most cases, he doesn't even need to know. He knows now, but he doesn't even, may not even need to know. <laughs> well, I just can't. Can, 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 I, can I preach something to you this morning that I've had to live? Because if I have bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart, let's just be honest, I don't love God like I should. And we make it too much about the other person. Let's just get real and let's just get honest this morning. If there's a Christian with bitterness in their heart, it's a charity issue. It's because they don't love God the way they should love God. And my love for Him forces me, if I can use that word, to look at an offense and overlook it well, I, I can get along with whoever I need to get along with because I love God. Because I'm dealing with my issues. Pastor, when are we dealing with their issues? How about we deal with our issues? You know what I've discovered? If I'm honest with myself, if I deal with my issues, it doesn't really matter what your issues are. Because most of us, we, we see it from our viewpoint, don't we? That's the only way we have to look at it. Unless we are allow the Spirit of God to have complete control and see it as we should see it through His Word. See, how will we respond to others? And I've tried to remind us of this because I need to be reminded of this. The political scene in our nation... It's us versus them. And there is good and evil. And I always want to be on the right side, be on the side of the good. And good and evil are always warring with each other. But would a more excellent way be to approach every situation with charity, with a supreme love to God, you know, you, know what, you know what convicts me and ought to convict all of us? The words of Jesus on the cross as he's endured all of that suffering. Father, forgive them. He wasn't just talking about the soldier. He was talking about the soldier who nailed his hands in that cross. But friend, his sins were the only sins that Jesus bore that day. Father, forgive them. But something that will convict you if you read the words of martyrs as they, their lives are taken from them. They're not yelling 
and spewing anger and hatred. It's the grace of God. It's charity. See, how could you, when you're being burned at the stake or you're, you're being fed to the lions, how could you have that charity? Because I suppose there'd have to be a supreme love for God for you to even be in that situation. And if you love God enough that you would lay your life down for Him, it's a natural reaction to give charity to everybody else. There's a better way. It's charity. In conclusion, we must have the Spirit. Chapter number 12 reminds us, verse number 7, verse number 8, by the Spirit. The end of verse 8, by the same Spirit. Verse number 9, by the same Spirit. End of verse 9, by the same Spirit. Verse 11, that one and the self-same Spirit. Verse 13, by one Spirit. He's already a reference speaking to them about their carnality and, and not being spiritual. And we must have the Spirit of God. If you're not saved, you do not have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. That's why a man can be hateful and the moment he's saved, he can change his disposition. Why? The Spirit of God. You cannot have the Spirit without the new birth of salvation. And friend, those of us that are saved, and I trust that you are this morning, we must yield to that same Spirit, which means the more we yield to Him, the less it is about us, <clears throat> the less it is about our feelings, the less it is about our hurts, our wants, our desires, our abilities, because without charity, we're nothing. I believe in having the right position. But I want my heart to be benevolent towards my fellow man. Could it also be true that we'll not be the witness that we should be if we don't have the charity that we should have? There's a lot of churches, and I don't think this is a sin to do this, but they have no problem giving out water on a hot day. But they don't preach a gospel that saves. There's a lot of Christians, I would think, that would be quick to give to a charitable donation. They'd be quick to do a good work. They'd be quick to stop if somebody's broke down on the side of the road. So I have charity, Pastor, but do we have charity towards those who've wronged us? Do we have charity to those who we're envious of? Well, if we don't work through our own issues, but we're not going to have the charity that we have. Boy, is a message in itself to us this morning, but as that foundational message for this series on charity, there's a more excellent way. Yes, we're going to, and we're going to talk about chapter 12 tonight. I plan on being back in chapter 12 this evening, not talking about charity, but, talk, but, but all of that and all Paul has to address, charity will solve a lot of problems.
Pastor, I, I'm glad you preached this because I know four people in here that need it. And you're probably not referring to one of those four as you. I need this. Just to use myself as an example, I believe this book so much that my feet are planted firmly. And by God's help and by God's grace, there's position I will never move. But you know what's better than that? It's having some charity along the way. I know this is happening in churches today, and I don't want it to happen in ours. We're so firm because our, our beliefs are being attacked by those who were of us being attacked. It's to respond with the same viciousness that we're being attacked with. But isn't there a more excellent way than that? You know, Jesus was on that cross and he was being attacked. One word and the legions of angels could have ended it all right there. For God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus had love for us. Well, this morning's a challenge. There's nothing deep theologically but something that we need to get established in our life that on top of everything else, we must have charity. In this chapter, we're going to see faith, hope, charity. There's all kinds of the greatest of these is charity. Hey, let's not be carnal. Let's be spiritual. If we're spiritual, we're going to have charity. Father, help us as we apply these things.